Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes. And for the next few minutes, I would like to ask you to stay with me. As usual, it's going to be 30 minutes of motivation, some inspiration, some education. And we will do all of this without any manipulation because we do not ever manipulate people. We're not trying to con anyone. We're not trying to ask you to join up, fess it up, give it up, nothing like that. This show is simply about giving you accurate information. Information that hopefully will help you verify as well as identify what God's plan is for your life. And if you're able to do that, then you can orient and adjust to the plan. So my prayer is that this radio show will assist you. Let me remind you, I'm not a pastor. It's not my job to be your pastor. I'm like a window, a voice of fresh air, I hope. And my objective is to give you some information that will challenge you and give you a thirst and a desire to want to grow more. That you will pray that God would lead you to a well-qualified pastor that you could send under that man's authority and you could listen to him teach you the Word of God on a consistent basis. This is how you will be made rich spiritually because you will develop a treasure in your soul. It's called a word treasure. and This is the treasure of the Word of God in your soul. And if you do that, if you're able to identify that pastor, then you will grow in grace in a wonderful way. It's always amazing to me. I want this to be a very practical show today, so I want to talk practically to you. I remember being in school, and I remember some people that were happy just to get through the eighth grade. I know some people that went to the eighth grade and never went any further. They did have wonderful lives, but uh, some didn't. Some people went through high school, some people went through college, some people went to graduate school. Some people have a desire to know more than other people. Some people just have a desire to get along, just to get with it, just to make a paycheck and go home. If you try to compare that to the Christian life, I know that's a silly analogy, but you know a lot of Christians don't have any desire to go deep. They don't have any desire to become graduate school type Christians. They don't want to learn any theology. They just want to get enough of the Bible to make them feel happy about being a Christian. And uh, sometimes I call that going through the ritual without any reality to it. It is true that you must know Jesus Christ as your Savior if you hope to have eternal life. Because the only way you or I would ever get to heaven is through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone and no other way. The Bible is clear about that when it says, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God and not of works, lest any man should brag about it. And so all of us enter into the plan the same way. We all enter into the royal family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But once we're in the family, we don't all grow the same. It's always interesting to me to see those people who have a desire to grow And those people who have a desire to not grow, you know, I think someone once said there are three types of people, the person that makes things happen, the person that watches things happen, and the person that says, what happened? I don't know which one of those people you are, but if you want God to use you, if you want to glorify God to the max, then you must be the kind of person that makes things happen. 
And the only way that you're ever going to do that is to obey the mandates found in the Bible. The first mandate you must obey is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's a command. The second one is be filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. You cannot function in the Christian life apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. And this is where much of the breakdown comes in modern Christianity today because it's not really taught that much. If you go into any Christian bookstore and look up some of these books, and my goodness, fortunes are made uh, printing and selling books. If you look at some of these books, very rarely will they tell you anything about being filled with the Spirit. But remember, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12, that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. The moment you believed in Jesus Christ, the moment you were placed in the family of God, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, no man can take you out of the Father's hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no one. John 10, 28, 29, no one can take you out of my Father's hand. That's a wonderful promise. And you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, much like maybe someone canning some jelly at home. And in the old way, they used to put paraffin wax on top of the jar. They'd put the jelly in there and then put some paraffin wax on top of it, and that would seal it, and you wouldn't eat it until you broke the wax off the top. The Holy Spirit is sealed you inside of God's unique plan. If you have believed in Jesus Christ, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And this is the promise that Jesus made in John 14 and 16 when he said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be your tutor, your guide, your mentor. The original Greek word for that is the paraclete. A paraclete is a mentor not a parakeet, not a bird, a paraclete, a mentor. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He mentors us. And how does he do that? Well, if we sit under the ministry of a well-qualified pastor and we learn God's word, we are being mentored by means of the Holy Spirit. Remember Operation Z, a wonderful concept, much like Zorro, The Z stands for the communication of God's word. The pastor communicates it. The other side of the Z is the comprehension. The Holy Spirit Spirit captures that information. And then he brings it down into your soul where you can comprehend it. And once you comprehend it, then it has to be converted into epinosis, which is literally doctrine on the launching pad of your soul. It's called wisdom. See, there is a difference between knowing the Bible and knowing the Bible. If you know the Bible, that's gnosis, that's knowledge you understand. But epinosis, the preposition epi in front of the word gnosis, that means full. That's the knowledge you understand and use. That's the difference between hearing the Bible taught and applying what you hear. The application is epinosis. The hearing or the, or the comprehension is gnosis. This is what the Holy Spirit's for. He is to help you as your pastor teaches God's word to you to comprehend what the pastor taught. And now your volition must make a decision to comply with the mandate. If you don't comply, that's up to you. You have the freedom and the privacy to say, yes, I will.
or no, I won't. And by the way, no one's perfect. No one does it right all the time. We all sin. We all fail. That sometimes is a real shocker when we do something that we didn't think we were capable of doing. And I know you've done it before. So have I. We shock ourselves. We say, my goodness, how could I have done that? I'm supposed to be a Christian. I thought a Christian wouldn't do this. And look what I just did. That's right. Christians do some pretty nasty things sometimes. Look at David. Look at Moses. Did did not Moses do some weird things sometimes? Did he not murder somebody once? Didn't David commit murder? Didn't didn't David commit adultery? I mean, keep going through the Bible, and you're not going to find any perfect people anywhere. We all have a sin nature, and this is part of the problem. You and I have a sin nature, and that sin nature will be with us until we die and get a resurrection body. That body will not be related to Adam, and that body will not have a sin nature. But as long as you're here, you have a sin nature. And you have something that can stand against it. It's called the Holy Spirit. And so you can do what the Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or you can live under the power of the flesh and be called a carnal Christian. A carnal Christian is a Christian that's out of fellowship with God. He's a Christian that is not growing He's a Christian that does not use problem-solving device number one, which we know to be rebound. He doesn't confess his sin when he commits it. He enjoys it and stays in it and relishes it, more to say. He ignores it sometimes and fails to admit it. Sometimes he doesn't even know that he sinned because he might not even realize that mental attitude sins are some of the biggest culprits of all. Yes, sin comes in three categories, things you think for sure. Things you say, yes, and even things you do. And so, with God the Holy Spirit in control, he will point out these sins to you, and he will, what the Bible says, he will convict you of them or convince you you're wrong. And then in your own volition, your own soul, you decide, am I willing to admit it to God that I failed, or will I try to make an excuse? Will I try to cover it up? Will I try to hide it? See, that doesn't work. So if you want to be used by God, if you want to have a full Christian life that has an impact for Jesus Christ in today's world, you must get with the program. You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, stay filled with the Spirit, Grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as per 2 Peter 3.18, and that's another mandate. It is not a request. He's not asking you, please grow, please grow. He's telling you, grow. There's another verse, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If you can be ashamed, then can not be ashamed, can you be ashamed? And the answer is yes. How would you ever be ashamed? Well, look at it this way. When you get to the judgment seat of Christ, the bema, not the great white throne, that's for the unbelievers, but when you are evaluated, are you going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or are you going to see all of your good works burned up as wood, hay, and stubble, as per 1 Corinthians chapter 3? Good works burned up. Why would that happen? 
because you did the right thing, but you did it in the wrong way. Is it right to pray? Yes. Is it right to give? Yes. Is there a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it? Yes. Anything you do for God while you are not filled with the Holy Spirit is human good. Anything. Any choir service, any giving, any testimony, any mission trip, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, it's human good. It's wood, hay, and stubble. How would you know for sure if you are filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you know you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit at salvation. You know you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you know that you've been told to be filled with the Spirit, and you know how to be filled with the Spirit. If you name any known sin, God's faithful and just to forgive you, purify you from that sin, and fill you with the Spirit. So is there unconfessed sin in your life? Because if there is, you are not filled with the Spirit. But as long as you keep a short account, and don't wait till you go to bed at night to do it, if you keep a short account of your sins, then you can pretty well be assured you are filled with the Holy Spirit all day long. And you will know immediately when you sin, when you choose in your volition to go against God's rules, go against God's word, to do something you know is wrong, then you will know the Holy Spirit will convict you that you're out of fellowship. And you must confess it immediately. Does this mean that this is a license to sin? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But it means that if you want to grow up and get out of kindergarten, if you want to graduate from high school, if you want to get into college using that school analogy again and become a graduate Christian, it's going to take you following the mandates of the Word of God. You must study. You must grow. Why should you do that? Because our Lord said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn of me. Well, well, how much do you really know about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior? My pastor has been teaching a study in the life of Christ for over 800 hours. You want to know something about Jesus Christ? Get into that study. But you got some catching up to do. Over 800 hours we have been studying the life of Christ. And we have not even gotten to the crucifixion yet. So there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to know. You will never learn it in your entire lifetime. But if you're going to be a graduate school believer, if you're going to be a believer with a Ph.D., if you're going to be that believer that God could even use to instruct other believers, then you must grow up spiritually. It's essential that you do because this is a supernatural life and it requires a supernatural power to live it. Thus, with the filling of the Holy Spirit and with the living Word of God in your soul, your thinking begins to be renovated, changed. And this brings on what the Bible calls a relaxed mental attitude. You begin to have an RMA, a relaxed mental attitude. What is that? Well, that is using the faith rest drill, problem-solving device number three. When you have the faith rest drill, when you can stand behind the promises of God, then you are relaxed. And there are over 7,000 promises found in the Bible. 
Many of them are on our website, by the way. It's uh, rickhughesministries.org. You can find the promises there. One of my friends took all of those promises and uh, had them put into a book called Biblical Promises and Principles of the Bible. There they are. They're all available. They're all for you. They're all like cash in the bank. But you cannot cash them if you don't know where they are, if you don't know what they are. They are the shield that you stand behind. They are your protection. They are what you can bring up to your Heavenly Father and say, God, you promised this. I I claim this promise. And, you know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. Don't misunderstand. Your Father is willing to give you many things, but he's not going to give you something that will destroy you. He's going to give you something that might glorify him and compliment your life but not something that will destroy you, so quit praying to win the lottery. I know what you're praying for, and it's not going to work because you couldn't handle it. I mean, you're going to wind up saying, if I could just get that $60 million lottery, I'd be happy. No, you wouldn't. Unhappy people take their unhappiness with them wherever you go. You'll just be unhappy in more palatial circumstances, but you're still going to be unhappy because money's not the key to happiness. You should remember this. Jesus Christ said these words himself. He said, happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's word and who keep it. That's the secret to happiness. And so as you grow in grace, as you, using the school analogy, as you get into college and get into graduate school, this means your your thinking is changing. You're learning the 10 problem-solving devices. You understand rebound. You understand the filling of the Holy Spirit. You understand the faith rest drill. You understand doctrinal orientation and grace orientation. You understand a personal sense of destiny. You understand personal love for God and impersonal love for others. You understand sharing the happiness of God and occupation with Christ. Those are the 10 unique problem-solving devices. And if you know them, and if you use them, if you learn them, then you can live an outstanding life in the devil's world, a supernatural life in the devil's world. Not a life without temptation, no. Not a life that guarantees you wealth and prosperity, no. But a life that guarantees you no fear, a life that guarantees you no worry, a life that guarantees you no stress, a life that guarantees you complete peace with God from knowing his word, honoring his word, living in his word by means of the power of the Holy Spirit and not living in guilt and shame and remorse because you drifted under control of your sin nature and you found yourself in carnality. You know, we live in the devil's world. And if you, like me, read the paper, listen to the news, you see the devil making ground every day. I'm afraid that our country, the United States of America, is changing quicker than we could have believed. We have become so obsessed with so many things that are so unnecessary. We spend so much time and so much money fighting things that are goofy, crazy. Our society is changing People are worried about things right and left, and they think some politician is going to cure it. 
maybe if we could elect this guy or maybe if we could elect that guy. Well, sure, I have my favorite politician, but I know, and you know this too, that no man can change anything because the Bible says, cursed is the man that trusteth in man. There's only one thing that can change this, and that's you and me. If we grow to be spiritually mature believers, then we become part of the anchor, part of the pivot in the nation that can deliver the nation. But we're not going to clean up the devil's world. See, this is what religious activism wants to do. Religious activism wants to clean up the devil's world. They want to shut down all the houses of ill repute and... uh, Make sure that uh, there's nothing on television but G-rated shows and, and on down the line. They don't want to see any sin of any sort. Well, it's the devil's world. You're not going to clean it up. People have sin natures. Any, anybody you elect to office, president, vice president, they're going to have a sin nature also. So you're not here to clean up the devil's world. That's not your policy. That's not your job. That's God will handle that. Your job is to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if some Christian comes around and says, you need to get involved in politics and we need to clean up the devil's world, I'm just telling you, it's not going to work. If you will focus on your spiritual life, if you will focus on growing in grace, If you will get under a well-qualified pastor and begin to study God's Word every day, keep a notebook, keep notes, and go back over it and look at this stuff and learn this stuff and apply this stuff, you will deliver your nation. You will do it because you will be part of the pivot. You will be the anchor. But if you get involved in politics and you waste your energy and your time supporting some candidate that has a sin nature that you think is going to turn things around, you're kidding yourself. It won't happen. The only thing that will turn the course of history around for this nation, what we're facing right now, is a spiritual revival. And the only way that's going to happen is through some sort of awakening. Right now, I don't see that awakening on hand. I don't know that you'll ever see another evangelist like Billy Graham or someone like that who held mass crusades and many, many people came to Christ. I don't know that you'll ever see that again. And I don't know what you'll see in the future as our country changes, as our attitude changes about Christianity and people that are Christians begin to be demonized and marginalized in the devil's world, even in the military, even in schools and and institutions where it shouldn't be. All of a sudden we find God being forced out of the public venue and we find people that are looking for answers in the devil's world, and there are no answers except the ones the devil gives. And so you can't clean it up. You want to grow up? You want to have an impact? You want to be that man of God, that Gideon in your generation? Then learn God's word and grow to spiritual maturity. And you can have a national impact and a historical impact on your nation. Your mission is not to stabilize American politics. Your mission is to stabilize your spiritual life, to become a mature believer, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's your mission. Because the only way you will ever deliver America, the only thing that will ever get us off the track we're on, is one believer at a time 
reaching spiritual maturity. One believer at a time. One believer in Cheyenne. One believer in Tulsa. One believer in Grass Valley. One believer in Houston. One believer in Jackson, Mississippi. On and on where this radio show is broadcast. When those type of believers surface, mature believers sitting on the ministry of a pastor, learning God's word every day, replicating the life of Christ, glorifying God to the maximum, that will have an invisible, invisible, I'm using the word invisible impact in the devil's world. This is why he fights you so much. This is why he doesn't want you to hear these things. This is why he doesn't want you to study your Bible. He's not worried about you going to church and singing, Do Lord, in 97 verses. He's not worried about that. He's not worried about your emotional overload. He's worried about you renovating your thinking and beginning to acquire the mind of Christ. What do I mean by that? Well, Philippians 2, 5, Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He's worried about you thinking like Christ thought, learning divine viewpoint, beginning to use a faith rest drill, beginning to use the problem-solving devices, and becoming a part of the pivot, part of the anchor that will hold this nation together. As the pivot grows, one person at a time, God's hand will keep this nation afloat. No pivot, we're going down. As the storms of political unrest always appear on the horizon, it's always going to be and it always has been. This is the devil's world. He's not ever going to leave it alone. See, we send out missionaries all over the world. So what does Satan want to do? Shut us down. He doesn't want missionaries going out all over the world. Now, there are some things he doesn't mind, some religions he doesn't mind, because it's not truth. And so he will promote those things. But if you talk about Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that's going to cause problems. Our Lord was crucified. He was put to death by criminals who manipulated the charges against him. And then they turned on the disciples, and Jesus warned them, you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me, because what happened to me is going to happen to you. When I'm gone, they're going to come after you. And they did. And you listen to me. They're going to come after you, too. You need to put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6. You need to pick up the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Put it on. If you don't understand that, let me know. I'll do everything I can to help you. I'll give you all the information I can. But no one can grow but you. No one can make a decision but you. You must decide yourself. Will I have an impact in the devil's world? Will I grow to spiritual maturity? Will I put on the armor of God? Will I renovate my thinking and begin to replicate the life of Christ? Or will I go back to the school analogy Will I just go to the sixth grade spiritually and drop out? Is that what you want to do? Because if that's the way it is, then you're never going to have an impact in the devil's world. I hope you're listening. I hope you're paying attention. Critical times and critical times like this, we need you. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flotline.
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.